I feel like I'm spoiled on a lot of levels doing this podcast. First of all, getting to, you know, learn from some of the smartest minds and, you know, the most interesting people, but also I'm learning about really incredible and important products. And that's why I'm excited to share with you a new product that I've learned about in the last sort of six weeks. I've been using it for two. It's called Amp Human. Now, Amp Human is a human performance company, and they dedicate themselves to helping athletes at all levels um, unlock their limitless potential. However, their latest innovation, it just really, you know, couldn't be better timing, is called D Plus Lotion. And it's a first of its kind gel-based lotion that delivers vitamin D directly through your skin. So nowadays with winter and limited sunlight, um, and, and listen, I'm in the sun a lot and my husband's in the sun a lot. And a lot of times we're still vitamin D deficient. It's, it's one of those things that you have to work at consciously to get. So with just two pumps applied to the inner forearms, it contains 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 to boost your immunity, improve your sleep quality and support brain function. So I don't know who doesn't need that. So it's backed by two clinical trials and it is proven to triple your vitamin D levels within three to four months of daily use. And for me, I, I got it. And you know, I'm always a little skeptical or you think, oh yeah, right. But it's so easy to use. It smells great. It goes on very easily. It's not like you have to really think about it. And anything that I can do to support myself in my health or well-being, I'm all in. So I've been, I got the product a few weeks ago. I've been doing it twice a day. I usually do it right when I get up and then sort of midday when I think about it. So for those of you who want to say goodbye to pills, um, or, you know, you just are trying to find a really easy way to get more vitamin D in your life. It's vitamin D plus lotion by Amp Human. And they have a great offer for you. It's really the easiest way to get vitamin D. So you can go to amphuman.com slash Gabby Or just go ahead and use the code GABBY15 and get 15% off D-plus lotion today. That's amphuman, A-M-P-H-U-M-A-N.com slash Gabby. Or just go ahead and punch in the code GABBY, G-A-B-B-Y, 15. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Let's talk about the relationship you have with your office, okay, uh, Kristen? Let's, <laughs> okay. Let's talk about it because I, I, I'm like, they love their office. Let's talk. Let's talk about your workspace, and then I want to back up and um, just sort of get you to the place of where you, the two of you, cross paths because I think it's, I think we can learn a lot about your natural path. So let's mm-hmm. let's just talk about your love affair with your office. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, if people don't know our story, we started on our closet floors. Yes. So the fact that we're sitting in like our own office mm-hmm. is pretty, it's pretty wild. You know, we'll, we'll stop every once in a while and just be like, wow, this is, we're really, really proud. Um, so it's but, what it represents. 
Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really is. And we worked with this incredible designer, um, Danny Nagel of Daisy LA and candidly, like her style is so colorful, so fun, so creative. And Krista and I are like more neutral palette kind of gals. But when Danny came in, it's like, she just injected a lot of like the life of almost 30 into this space in a way that we could have never done on our own. And it just, it makes you smile. It makes us smile. It's so comfortable. It's warm. It's inviting. Um, we have a space for our team. If, you know, when we were able to work together, they would come and work. And then we have this studio, which um, for us, like having a space where our guests feel comfortable, supported, literally comfortable in, in big cozy chairs, um, but also just like it feels like a little pod where we can have those intimate conversations and where people can just really open up and be themselves. And that was really important to us when we were, when we were designing it. Yeah. See, I would have like, if you came to my, I was hoping we would do this in person. Cause when we talked last time, I was like, Oh, Corona will be over and you guys can come to my house. I, I would have like <laughs> seats with like little nails on it and be super cool. <laughs> keep us on our toes we like to like it's like a little manipulative you like get them comfy and then you ask them the hard stuff and they're like wait what if we're being recorded <laughs> it's all part of our master plan <laughs> it, it works though people will tell you more when you let them than when you try to ask them right um, I keep thinking that with children I'm like maybe if, if you're really quiet and still and almost try to blend in with the wall they might tell you some things but if you go like well how is the party oh. Was so-and-so there? They're just like, oh yeah, no. But if yes. you sit there and you sort of act like you're sort of listening, they're like, so anyway, and you go, oh, uh-huh. And you can't react, right? Yep. Wow. So people tell you big stuff. You have to be like, oh yeah, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, Kristen, Lindsay, let's, let me, let's back up. So Lindsay, you were teaching, is, let me get this, if this is right, Soul Cycle, mm-hmm. and this is where you guys met. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I was teaching at Soul Cycle. Um Which I started soul? in I started in New York. Um, So I was teaching for three months at the beginning in New York. I was traveling out to Greenwich um and other like suburbs outside of the city. Wasn't quite the cool instructor yet to teach in the city, but it was incredible. And um three months in, they asked me to move out to LA and open up a studio in Newport Beach. And, um, I said, yes, right away. I didn't even think about it. I just knew it was the right move. And, um, a year and a half teaching in LA, I met Krista through a mutual friend because Krista was auditioning. Yeah. I wanted to be an instructor. (laughs) I was like dying to be an instructor. Yeah. I moved to, I was in the corporate world for like eight years. So I was a consultant with finance executives and then I worked in digital marketing. And then I was working for this international events company. And all the while I was still trying to find my actual purpose, I just was like dead set on trying to find what I was meant to do. And so I did a bunch of other side hustles. I had like a travel company outside of work. I had a blog, but when I found soul cycle, I was like, Oh, this is my thing. I felt like that was my calling. And so what about that? For you, was it because obviously with with almost thirty, it's it's sort of this connect. It's it's always about connection. The fact that it's actually the two of you doing it together, kind of for me, is representation yes. of for you guys. It's about connection. I mean, running yes. events and doing all of that that is that's not only a lot of work. It's the it's interesting how that skill set and having the ability to deal with those logistics. Um, I see something in your partnership where you have different strengths, obviously. So. Yes. 
you were doing that, you're probably making a healthy living, but you're like, oh, it's still not my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I just knew that it wasn't right. I knew that with any job, it wasn't right for me. And so I always had side hustles, like I said. And when I found SoulCycle, I was like, oh, this is it. So on my on the side at work, I would just go to SoulCycle classes in the morning at night. I befriended instructors and the front desk and would ride all the time. I just got in super really good shape. I became certified as a fitness instructor. And when I auditioned in New York, I didn't get it. Um, well, for people listening who don't know, I mean, they've talked about it at length and, and certainly, Lindsay, you can talk about it. It's actually a really brutal to be a soul cycle. And even when you're like, Hey, I wasn't the cool New York one. Um, it's very, very difficult. It's a job in itself to get the job. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was getting Mm -hmm. into. I, yeah, there was an audition and then what were you doing? Lindsay, what were you doing that got you the thing where you go, okay, that's my next thing. I know you saying was fitness, in, I think when we're young adults, we have these pictures in our minds and I think they're connected to our guts, our instincts, mm-hmm. right? We don't, we don't see all the, the nuance in the picture, but it's sort of like this fuzzy image. And maybe we're doing one thing that we think, yes, this is for now, but we still have this loose image. So for you, Lindsay, what, what were you thinking? Was it always like music and fitness? What, what was part of the elements of your early picture? I wanted to be on Broadway. I really wanted to be on Broadway. I was auditioning during the day and I just always knew that I was going, maybe it was the story of like the starving artist and I would always have to have a side hustle in order to like try to make it happen. Um, And so I started bartending in college. I was bartending in New York. Um, I started then, I fell into fit modeling, which is like behind the scenes of fashion, not very fancy, but That started to pay my bills and I was able to let go of the bars. And then I found SoulCycle as well. And that was just like a release and and an escape for me. Um, New York was like pretty intense. Um, And so this was a way in which I could just really move my body, express myself. And then I eventually auditioned and was able to kind of transition out of fit modeling. But I've never had resistance to like those odd jobs that will support what I want to do. Um, and I think that's really, that's been really important to me because, um, in talking to a lot of entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs, there is kind of that resistance, even my little brother, like that resistance to that job that will give, give you the time and the finances to be able to pursue the thing that you want to do. So, um, I just always really appreciate it. And then eventually I learned all of these jobs, SoulCycle, fit modeling, bartending, what have you, have like really helped me mm-hmm. in what we do. It's fascinating to kind of connect the dots. Well, I think also, you know, you meet a lot of people um, and I know people like this where they're waiting for the perfect job instead yes. of, it, you know, being a comfortable with like, well, this isn't my forever job, but this is the thing I, I, like you said, Lindsay, like I have to do the people who are waiting for like, or they almost feel that maybe they're too good for a certain job. Yes. Yeah. That is super dangerous. You know, we, we call it carrying the medicine kit and, and maybe because when you're a freshman in college, when I played in college, 
if you were traveling, all the freshmen had to carry the crappy things like the medicine kit. So in a way, we all can never <laughs> be above carrying the medicine kit or, or you know, being at the bottom of the, of the ladder. And, the, and so, Krista, for you, you had like a you sort of were already in your career in your picture. Did you know it was always going to be about a connection? Do, you know, what were you thinking? What was driving yeah. you? Yeah, I didn't, you know, I had this drive inside me that I didn't really know how to identify what it was related to. Um, and my whole life, I never had a dream for myself, to be honest. I grew up in Ohio in a small town and, you know, I never saw anyone chasing their dreams. Um, the only person I saw chasing her dreams was this woman that I babysat for and she tried to be a singer and it didn't work. And her family ended up, yeah, in Ohio, she tried to be a singer. And so that was pretty much the only person I ever saw doing a job or anything that they loved. So when I went to school and then worked outside, I really just thought this was it. I'm like, I guess I just never like my job. And I guess I try and express myself outside of it, but I just kept doing and I kept showing up and I kept really just taking steps to things that were closer aligned with me. So my first job in finance as a consultant wasn't really aligned, but it taught me how to run a business. It taught me how to talk to C-level executives. It gave me all these skills that led me to the next step. And I never knew that it would all make sense until I came to the place with almost 30 where everything that I've learned along the way we use in the business. And so now when we talk to people, I just, I have such a passion for people that have been in the corporate world or have had jobs that are nine to fives, because those are so instrumental if they do want to become entrepreneurs or they do want to come become and do something outside of it because you learn so, so, so much. I think it's interesting too, where in the beginning, maybe one thinks, oh, I have to make these two, these things separate, right? I have to make my career and the responsible and the work thing separate from like a passion and these other things. But the other important part of this is you guys obviously have always worked hard but doing the exact thing that fits you and is a reflection of you, what people don't realize though, is it's still, even though you love it, it's probably the thing you're gonna have to work the hardest at. Yes. yes. And it's that willingness, right? To say, okay, there maybe there isn't weekends because um, I love what I'm doing. I'm building for something. Um, it's, it's an extension of the two of you as human beings. So also, you know, even navigating the really personal feeling about your business versus like, you know, I'm running financial models or I'm, you know, bartending to pay bills. So I have my days free. It's not so personal. Yes. The other risky or interesting or dynamic thing that people maybe don't realize. And I'd love to hear what this has been like for you is how personal this is. So that means, yes, it's, it's satisfying and, and enriching, but it also, you can get your ass kicked in a whole new yes. way. Um, and, and also the luxury or, or the, the gift that you have each other to do it. Maybe, maybe talk about what that's been like, where there, there maybe is no Monday, but there's no weekend either. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been the, the most interesting thing because I remember working at these 
jobs I had. And I was like, oh, if I could just do what I loved full time, if I could just be an entrepreneur, if I could just kind of be out of the situation I was in and into the other, I thought I'd be free. And I thought that everything would be easy and my life would just be this like beautiful fairy tale. And then here we are in the business, you know, four years in and it's such a beautiful thing. But when you're doing something you love where it's very personal, like Lindsay and I share very personal honest things on the show. We're sharing in real time about struggles we're having or things that we're going through. It's like the biggest like self-study for us. So we hear ourselves kind of going through it on the show, kind of going through it with our audience and community, and it's in front of a large audience. So people can be critical. People can say whatever they want. And, you know, before if I was working in a job and I didn't really give a shit about it, it was like, you know, you're not really good at filling out your paperwork at the end of the week. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't give a fuck about that. So whatever, I don't care. It's almost like they would... There was a persona I created at my jobs that was attacked if I was not performing, but I didn't care because it wasn't the real me. But the way that I'm showing up in this work is as much of the real me as I can be. So stuff just hits so much harder and the highs are higher and the lows are so much lower. And I think within the business too, like just as business partners who started their friendship basically at the, you know, beginning of the business, it's just been one, the best thing because we can lean on each other, but also we've been getting to know each other through the lens of the business. And me being someone who has never been in the corporate world, her being someone who has so much experience and bringing both of our like strengths, but also weaknesses to the table for me has been just such a, at times hard, but also just really a mirror, you know, to exactly what I could be working on. Um, as a friend, as a business partner, as just a person. And um, we've done a lot, like people don't talk about the work that is required on the friendship side of a business partnership or a human to human side that actually makes all the difference within the business because it's a trickle down effect. You know, if Krista and I aren't good, the business inevitably is not going to be the best that it can be. So we've just done a lot of work, whether it's in therapy individually together, coaching, um, plant medicine together, you know, like all these things that really, um, support, um, our relationship, the spirit of almost 30, how we connect with that, our own soul. Like it's just been really, really beautiful. And, you know, we hope that like, it's, you know, somewhat of a imperfect model of, like how you need to be pouring into your relationships in this way, because it actually gives so much back to you. Um, so yeah, it's just been really, really well, you, you guys are creating your own corporate culture, right? Like to kind of go back into Chris's lane a little, it's like people, everybody has ideas and there can be great ideas. It's about its execution. And it's also this day-to-day management that's so, so important to the health and, and, you know, kind of, growth of a, of a, you have a company. I mean, now you have memberships and you have products you have. I mean, this is not just like two girls sitting in a cute room having a conversation. (laughs) I know. I think that's what people think sometimes. And I'm like, Oh man, we just got off the phone with our lawyer. We're doing this thing. Like, you know, all the just really ugly parts of, (laughs) of running a business and being a manager and like, 
always having to like check yourself and it's just, it's, it's really exhausting. You know, Gabby, you know, (laughs) I want to, I want you guys to distill this for me a little bit, because I think what you're saying is really important. And, and I, I really, you know, love it. If when people go, Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, I have an idea or have a creative expression, but it's, it's, it's getting enough information to melding the two because when you're sitting in the beautiful room and everyone's comfortable, that's the good and fun stuff. That's the, that was, this is the payoff or when you get to, you know, um, have these larger meetings or go on tour, that's kind of the fruits of the labor, the fun, creative connecting stuff. But people don't realize that the majority of the time is spent on this back end um, with this execution. Let's, let's start with the, the two of you first. So you, you meet in Newport, you, you like, in a way, I wouldn't say that you'd be likely friends. Like if I were to look from the outside, I wouldn't look across the room at each corner and be like, oh yeah, those two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we are so different too. I think we were so different when we met than we yeah. are now, but um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Wait, there in was what just, way? in what way were you, di- were you like, back was, then? Was, was Lindsay more um, in her artist self and you were more in your like, get it done. I've got a yes. checklist to corporate self. Yes. Yes. And you guys have pulled each other a little more. What our really common thread was that we were both really going through this like transition of our 20s where I was like, I need to find my purpose. I had quit my job when I moved to LA and I was pursuing my blogging full time. So I was trying this other entrepreneurial feat. I ended up nannying and serving, doing all these things. And so I felt so lost. I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm ever going to find my purpose, nothing's working. And Lindsay had been going through her own relationship transitions. And so we just met at this point where we're like, oh my God, life is not what we thought. And it's messier and more complex and all these things. So it was really like just the commonalities that we had over, you know, anything else. But I think, you know, what makes us so different is actually what like really connects us because I respect so much about like Krista that is different from me like that, like super, you know, visionary strategist, like, it's, it's cool because those are parts of me that I actually want to bring out more. And I think I do the same for her. And so, um, it's actually been once like the egos are aside. Cause like, I definitely had a point at which I was like, Oh my God, I'm not as organized as her. I'm not as driven as her. I'm not as this, 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 this. And she wasn't saying that to me, but I was saying that to myself and I was just getting in my own way. So whenever we meet people, whether it's in business relationship or, um, even just in passing and we feel kind of triggered in a way, you know, I've now just noticed like, huh, what is this? Are they bringing something up in me that I wish that I Mm did more of or embodied more of. Usually that's the case. And so it's actually been really cool to work through that and be able to almost see Krista as like a model for some of those things and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, I think it's, it's also, hopefully as we get older and maybe have a little bit more experience, really smart people will be like, oh, wow, they do that so much better than me. I'm going to, let's be allies. And it even, you even transcend kind of knowing, like maybe I would never be as good as Krista being organized in this. So she's my ally. And I think it, it, that's the real freedom, right? Is, is when we, totally. we can be like, I love that about you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yes. how do you, how have you worked on the flow in the, in the interviewing? Cause I find it fascinating 
um, when you have two people, Talk, tell me a little bit about, first of all, you, why did you start sitting in your closet? What to, to kind of just address these things that you knew more people were going through? Yeah. So we, um, started the podcast. We were sitting at Bulletproof Cafe one day and we were having in Santa Monica, we were having this like deep conversation. And I was like, do you think we could start a podcast? And I had been a fan for years. I mean, I remember hearing you on, you know, Tim Ferriss forever ago and being so inspired by the people I was hearing and the conversations I was having. And I didn't feel like I, at that time, understood or really saw female podcast hosts. I was just listening to Tim and Rich and Lewis Howes and those kind of people at that time. So I didn't see women in the space and I didn't feel people that I could connect with. So um, we just started to record random conversations and tried to figure out a show flow and tried to figure out what we wanted to talk about. <laughs> and we recorded for like seven months. So we recorded, practiced, did all the things for a really long time before we launched. Um, but I'm you practiced? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had to. I mean, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> but even for slow, <laughs> if, if you, if you listen to our first episode, you might not think that laugh. we practice, but it really was because we were getting to know each other as well. We, we needed to kind of find that cadence. We needed to get comfortable on the mic because being on a mic is not really natural. Um, or at least listening, then listening to yourself isn't really natural. So we had to get used to it. And then we were just fleshing out like different structures. I mean, early days, we had like eight different segments. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were doing the most, the and most. but with like very little depth. <laughs> Transition music and like a Fiverr guy. That was like our intro. It was so wacky, but we had to do it. And, yeah. and it was like what we had best. But um, for our conversation flow and interviews, I mean, over four years, we've really you know, figured out what our flow is and how we like to structure conversations. But there is something that's like psychically happening between Lindsay and I, where I know when she's going to speak and she knows when I'm going to speak. And I don't think we've ever had a moment where we spoke over each other or tripped over each other's words that felt prominent. And we usually just really let the conversation be where we're most curious. And so being present is the most important part of that. It's like, what's present for me right now? And what do I truly want to ask from my heart? And then giving each other permission to just do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny. I interviewed a businessman, an entrepreneur, Sunil, Sunil Gupta. He has a, a book called Backable, What Makes People Backable, right? And he's like, hey, you think it's the most charismatic or the most talented? It's not. But one of the things he did talk about, which is genius that you guys have did, is he talked about before having really big pitches, actually, you know, especially if you're raising capital or what have you, it's like he would put himself in scenarios to practice. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, there, I think we, we don't value um, practice. And so for you guys to say you were sitting on the closet floor for seven months, kind of trying this and trying that um, is, I think it's just, that's also another really important point is it, it, it all is going to, is going to take, is going to take practice. Now, what I'd like to understand, because I'm of a, a different generation, I'm, I'm 20 years older than you, the two of you. And but we look like sisters. Truly. Come on. <laughs> on our best day. <laughs> <laughs> we look like a sister. 
This is when you wait till you do almost 50 and then you do like fucking almost 60 and then you're just <laughs> every interview will be about skin texture. Um, <laughs> and, and then the other thing it'll be about is when your partner is like, well, that's so aggressive. It's like, no, this is how I've been feeling for 30 years. I just finally just say <laughs> that's the damn that's I cannot literally I tell her all the time. I'm like, I'm like, I can't wait to be old, man. I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to say whatever the F no, I want. I know their great joke that they say as you get older for men, their testosterone drops. So their estrogen apparently rises kind of, but not really. And for women, our estrogen drops. So that would mean what your testosterone will be bigger. Yes. And I even had a, he even had a comment a couple weeks ago. He's like, you're just so edgy. And I was like, no, no, the gatekeeper is just like away. <laughs> but I, I like, this is the real me, baby. <laughs> you know, in my, in the time when I was in my early twenties, it was like, Oh, if you were going to meet someone or get married, that was sort of maybe part of it. I was really into my career. And then I was fortunate. I met somebody that I, I say I couldn't help myself. And I was quite young. I was 25. So it was like that almost like wrapped itself up. I mean, we had to go through some things and, you know, almost break up and do some of that. But it, we, I sort of knew, I feel even with your group, your generation, it, there's a, I don't know why, is it the swiping dating? Is it whatever? There's something that seems more challenging. And, and I'm not talking about in our day, like everybody tries to make all of that harder. I think there were so many things about my time that was so much easier yes. than what you guys are navigating. You know, and and wait, so it's Justin and is Sean like what's happening there? Gosh, we, Gabby knows what's up. I know research. Um, <laughs> well, come yes. on. No, I mean, like, I sort of felt like is Sean around or is Sean not around? Like, oh, I love he, it. Is he real or not? We want to know. <laughs> he, uh, we're, it's and it's long distance or it's you know. Yeah, it's long distance. So Chris is engaged um, to Justin and I've been with Sean a little bit over a year, but we've known each other for eight years and he's in New York. I'm in LA. Um, And yeah, I just want to, I want to touch on that, that observation of um, people in our generation where, you know, if I think about my early twenties, yeah, I didn't have, like, we didn't have really Facebook or Instagram. Like it was kind of uh, at the beginning stages, but there wasn't this constant, um, feedback and constant, like seeing of other people's highlight reels. And so I, I mean, I've experienced it. I'm sure so many people experience it, this loop of comparison, like, oh man, I haven't found him or her yet. Like, oh gosh, I'm getting older or, oh gosh, all I see is people getting engaged or, oh gosh, my parents are putting pressure on me or, oh gosh, should I freeze my eggs? Like all of these fears and questions and like what it does and what I've observed and what I've experienced myself is like, we, we can't live in this like present now moment if we're always thinking about what we should have done or what we're needing in the future. And so, um, I'm actually doing a program based on an episode I did a while ago called the sacredness of being single, because I was single for seven years and I went through it all. I did the dating apps. I was like celibate for a little bit. And I, um, I just felt like it was the most pivotal time in my life to set me up for that healthy relationship, that healthy relationship with myself and my partner and even my friends. And so, yeah, it's, um, I talk to a lot of 
women in particular one-on-one, like in my DMs or even when we were on tour. And that is the sentiment where it's like, wow, like either I'm so lonely, like I just, how do I find him or how do I not put out that desperate energy or, you know, is getting like, am I losing time because there's a pandemic and I'm not able to date normally? Like there's all of these fears. Um, but I just think it's the perfect time to really come back to yourself because I think in my experience dating, you can really lose yourself in order to be what that other person needs. I think, I think, and help me understand. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm on, I'm interested in learning from you. Like in my uh, dynamic, I, it's like, I can go in the world and it's, I can be, you know, alpha and masculine and all these things, but in my, in my dynamic, and I think this was obviously my choice, I pick somebody very masculine, but within that people think it's like this concrete setup of masculine and masculine and feminine. But what Mm -hmm. it is, is like, Hey, if somebody's bleeding or something's flooding, um, like layered, it's like the stuff I can't handle, you know, or let me rephrase it, that he does just much then easier and better. And I have different strengths than he does. And there's also um, like I've had an I had an interaction recently where someone and it was a work situation. I think they had too many drinks one night and decided to blast off an email that was not nice to me. And, you know, my husband went to their house and he's like, listen, you you can't be you can't disrespect. I'm obsessed with that. I know that's honey. That's masculine. (laughs) But my point is, is and I have three daughters. Right. So I have daughters that are closer to your age than 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 I am is because the world is so big, everything's a buffet, is it feels, I worry, I have, a, my youngest is 13, I worry if she's like, oh, we broke up, it doesn't matter, there's so many other guys, like, is there also, and nobody, nobody has boyfriends and nobody has girlfriends and they're hooking up and it's all this, is also the, the ability to slow it down, like the two of you, your friends, and you cherish one another. And you're not going to be like, well, you know, Lindsay's not my friend anymore. Whatever, I'll get another friend. Sometimes I wonder if it feels like there's a there's like we forget how to slow it down enough to really pay attention to cherish the person. And I'm not saying every dating situation has to be your forever, but because everyone's barraged with so many so many options is I wonder if it takes away or it makes it more challenging to slow it down enough to be like, I'm going to notice what's special. I'm going to appreciate. Cause by the way, appreciating and notice is hard enough as it is. Yes. Yes. Is I wonder if for you guys, if like how you've been able to find that, because I think in the end, when we're with somebody, you want to feel like it matters. Like I want to feel like if Laird and I weren't together, it would somehow really matter to Laird. And I don't, I don't mean I would want Laird to be miserable but that it would impact him, that it would, that somehow I'm contributing. I'm not here to make him happy. I, I know that's not possible, but that's in some way we're enhancing each other's reality. Yeah. I, and I think your relationship's so beautiful. It's like my favorite thing to watch. And I love when you share about it. Um, I think if we think about our generation, I think we're kind of on the crux of it. It's like, every single thing is sort of delivered to us or handed to us. So if we want dinner, it's delivered to our door. If we want groceries, it's delivered to our door. Clothes are delivered to our door. Um, Basically everything we do online is very like quick turnaround. It's very fast validation. 
And so I think that people are just sort of operating at the surface of their life most of the time, where it's like having surface relationships, having surface experiences, having surface dating. Um, and no one's really giving themselves the opportunity to go deep and have that really meaningful connection. Um, I was in a therapy session this weekend and I had this like really profound realization that at times when I felt really alone in my life and I felt like I was, you know, the only one that felt the way I did or that no one would ever know me, I realized that I'm connecting with people. And a lot of times just my persona, the persona of who I am is connecting with people and it's not the real me. And I was thinking about how even in my relationship with my partner, we've been together for eight years. Like at what times am I having him connect with like this idea of me or this um, person that is this way and it's not the real me. And that's when we feel real connection is when we're able to be vulnerable. We're able to like really be there for someone. You're able to go through things. You're able to like stick it out on the other side and put in the work for things. Um, and, you know, being a child that's a product of divorce, I can wonder too, you know, if our generation has seen our parents be incredibly unhappy for the most part in their marriages or in their relationships and everyone's sort of thinking like, is this the thing? Is this, is this worth it? Is this what we want to do? And when you have a lot of things that are not a lot of work that are given to you, whether it's, you know, the apps for food or whatever, and then you're looking at this thing with love and marriage and you're like, this is a lot of work. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. I could just stay surface for the rest of my life and, you know, see what happens. So I think there's also that conversation as well, where people are like, what is, is it really worth it? Like, and you only know until you know, and you're in it and you know how worth it it is. And I also think there's like a, um, like the quick move on that you were speaking to Gabby, like it's like a defense mechanism, you know, it's like a protection where it's like, I don't want to show that I felt so deeply, or I don't want to show that I have those emotions. Like, because what they're seeing online is like Krista said, just moving so quickly, moving on, mm -hmm. moving to the next boyfriend, girlfriend, or the next trip or opportunity. And it almost feels like shameful to be in those deep feelings of like, huh, wow, I learned a lot from this relationship and I'm really sad that it's over. You know, like just kind of being in those feelings feels like a waste of time, shameful, too much. Yeah, weak. So, so it's like, yeah. Oh, weak. Yes. You know, and I, I think it's important and you guys know this just from, let's just take your fitness lives. <laughs> Which are non-existent right now. <laughs> like I went on an amazing walk this morning. Yeah, we're walkers. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> You know, it's, it's not sexy. Yes. The sexiest things are not sexy. It's like, yes. I try to tell my, my kids, my youngest, my older two, they're, they're, they're going to be, they, they're sort of in this other side of the tunnel, but the youngest one mm. who really has been getting hit her whole life with it. Right. I'm like, everyone that you're watching that you admire bust their ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you can't, are you going to observe everyone? But it's realizing I watched, um, and weird, you know, example, but it's like um, Fran Leibovitz, pretend it's a city she was on, right? But you realize the amount of time it takes to have those experiences or to get that knowledge, um, to read those books, it, it isn't out there. You know, and, and really the sexy stuff, the stuff like Krista was saying with legs and gravity, um, it's not really loud. It's not showy. Um, you wouldn't really have the opportunity. You wouldn't document and be like, 
reading an incredible book right now. Yes. Yep. And so I wonder, do we think it's going to, the pendulum's going to keep going? Cause in some way it does feed those dopamine hits. It's yes. easy. It's light. Um, do we think it's going to keep spinning that fast or do you guys feel like it's just going to be versions of people like you doing almost 30 sort of these deeper, bigger conversations. And then yes, the spin is still going to be happening. Yeah, I think, you know, and I, I can totally understand where your daughter is and, and sort of that experience that she's having. I do think that there will probably always be the opportunity for distraction, whether it's in the media or whether it's in the news. And it's really just our job to unhook ourselves from it for our health, for our nervous system, for our own lives, to really just remove ourselves from those situations. I do worry about kids and, you know, like brain development, because when we think about relationships and we think about, you know, dating, really there's parts of your brain that are altered when you're dating that are good. You know, you release oxytocin. It's like this beautiful thing. And then you're kind of supplementing that with your steady dopamine hit from your phone. So there's obviously brain things that are also happening that we have to be mindful of. Um, but I can only hope that I think people are moving in the direction of craving something deeper and more intimate. And I think that we can hopefully just lead them in that space because that's what, you know, we really want. And it's interesting because online, you know, I find this interesting thing too, where people are happy for my successes, but I often find that they're happier for me when I'm honest. So whether that's something hard or whether that's something truthful, I actually find that people resonate more with my times when I'm actually going through something because they want to feel like they're not alone. They want to feel like someone else that they admire potentially could feel depressed or potentially could feel anxious. So I just have to really lean into those like beautiful moments for myself and hope that people can just be conscious of what they're consuming or who they're connecting with and the intention behind that person, if it's to distract them or to keep them further from themselves or to like empower them. Lindsay, do you, do you have any, do you guys have any unhooking practices or just things where you realize, or you just are going through and you realize, Oh, it's, I sort of say like when I'm eating and I'm eating clean and sometimes I might get into a couple day period where I'm like, what's going on? Like I'm eating whatever. And I just pump <laughs> breaks and say, okay, I got to get a grip. Do you guys have moments? So it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, every Sunday I put my phone away. Do you have things where you your self-governing or practice to do this unhooking, especially because it, weirdly, right? Your business is connected to being connected, connected yes. to online, answering, you know, posts and doing all of this. Yeah, it's tricky because you're right. So much of what we do is online, on our phones, on our computers. Um, we definitely encourage our community to not always be there. Um, but, you know, for me personally, the first thing that comes to mind is just my breathwork practice. That always, without a doubt, and it's something that I resist very much. Um, it's it's a lot of work to do breathwork. Um, it's not always comfortable, but that to me is the unhooking. So I'm clearly able to almost see and like visualize like the emotion or the feeling and understand that like, it is, I am not like identifying with that, but it is, it is something that I can look at and follow. Um, but it's like that, it literally is a super highway to like just talking to my soul. And I don't know what it is scientifically with breath work. People have told me many times over, I, I've, I've yet to be able to speak to that. Um, but 
I just know that it works. Um, what does it look like? Like, just, is it, tell me a little bit about your practice. Sure. So, um, we have a friend, Brie Melanson, who I do her breath work probably like once a month, but she has a playlist that I love. So I will just on my own, um, I have my little eye mask. I'll go in my bedroom, lay on my bed, just flat, um, and put on the playlist. So that will run for probably like 45 minutes to an hour. And the breath work itself is um, all through the mouth. And so it's a deep breath into the belly, into the chest, and then a big exhale. And it's that rhythmic breathing that actually, it's holotropic breathing. I know you know this. Um, that is able to really get me out of my head into my body, but then go even deeper into the place that either I've been suppressing. I usually cry. Sometimes I'll laugh out of nowhere. I'll have um, visuals of either memories from childhood or even just like ah, clarity around something that I've been dealing with. Um, and so after that 45 minute practice, I'll just kind of brain dump and, and write down all of my thoughts and feelings and anything that came through. And I just feel lighter, you know, and, um, and I, I go really easy on myself for the rest of the day because it is one of those practices that just kind of puts you on a cloud. Um, yeah. So that's one that I really, I really love. So, so Krista, when I was paying attention to getting ready to talk to you, a lot of times when you observe people, you, you can get it hits off of them. And, you know, it feels like Lindsay, it's like, uh, oh yeah, I work out. I try to eat. I think you're fasting all, all quite a bit too, right? <laughs> In the morning, except the week of my period. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. And also for people listening there, I am a big advocate of fasting, but as you get older, also there's some different framework around that. So it's important to yes. understand that um, for women, not for men. Mm -hmm. um, but Krista, I always, I, I get the feeling that you're like wrestling your fitness life to the ground. Like <laughs> you're just like, you know, it's, it feels like it's, you know, certain people it's like, Hey, this is easier. Certain people it's like, no, we're wrestling. Like I'm trying, I'm dialing this in. Um, tell me if I'm, I'm wrong and, or right. And I'd love to know, you know, what you've learned about yourself and what also wor is working for you, because I think more people feel maybe like you than they do like Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And just, Yes. So within my fitness life, so I was doing soul cycle. I've always worked out. And for a while, it was just so intense that um, I was also taking diet pills and I was doing a lot of other really unhealthy things to my body. And eventually my body just was like had enough and I had really bad adrenal fatigue and my hormones were all messed up. So I was working on that for a really long time. And now I'm just coming into this place of like more of an honoring and an understanding of my body and really thinking about the reasons why I work out and why I eat the way I do. And I try and take that approach with anything in my life. You know, if I'm sitting and I'm stretching and I'm reading Twitter and I'm looking at someone's account, I'm like, why am I looking at this account? What is it doing for me or how is it serving me? And if I don't have a good reason for it, then I can reevaluate or rethink what I'm doing. So that's with my workouts too. It's like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I feel like I have to, because I need to check the box, because I want to look good, because I want to, you know, do all these things. 
and just trying to be more mindful about the decisions that I'm making and how that interacts with my body. And um, I have gone through, you know, periods of binging and periods of restricting. And the one thing that really provides me solace with um, any practice around my body or even eating is that even when I was binging and I was, I had, I was binge eating for quite some time, my intention for myself was actually good and I wanted to soothe myself. So although I saw it as this beautiful or this shameful thing that I was so embarrassed by, I was actually really just trying to soothe myself. And I was really trying to just provide myself this comfort that I wasn't experiencing. Um, so in life and in fitness, I just try and always question and then just reevaluate everything that I'm doing. I wonder, I'm always, I always wonder, you know, what it is in, in us women that um, on some level, it's, it's like this battle. Yeah. And I, I don't know. And I know there's probably biology uh, behind it and, and what have you, but I, I'm always fascinated, um, you know, why we're, we're, we scrutinize ourselves certainly in a way that yeah. we never scrutinize another person. And also where do we get the definition of what it's supposed to be? You know, I go to a yoga class, um, well, I have a friend. I, I hate yoga, by the way. I mean, I, I, it's, I think it's important and I, I, I hate it because I'm not good at it. So let's let's just say that. Um, but I have a friend, Lulu. She's like a genius yoga black belt instructor. She can take any discipline of yoga and be like, oh, this is appropriate for this. And she's not dogmatic about anything. But she always says, where are we trying to go? Like when I'm, yes. I can't get into a position as good as like the girl next to me yes. who's bending her chest. And she's like, where is it? So it's like, what are we trying to look like? Yes. I think that's with everything. It's like, even in business, it's like in business or where are you trying to look like? Cause I remember for years when I was auditioning for soul cycle, I was like 18% body fat at one time. And I remember I was like, oh, I want to be 15. I was like, I want to be 15. Like, what is like, what are you trying to do? Like, that's the whole thing is like, what, why? And then why do you want to be five pounds lighter? Cause you want to do what? Well, it's just, everything has a risk reward. And even in business, it's like, why do you want to be making $20 million a year, $50 million a year, whatever in your business? If people rethought how much money it would actually take for them to feel freedom, to feel like they could always put food on the table, or they could live in a house that they love or work out on the weekends or live the life that they dream. I don't think it takes as much money as people think. And actually, if we thought thoughtfully about our businesses and our lives, like it actually would take a few million, of course, in Los Angeles, however much, but it's not like the full billions or hundred millions that people seek or shoot for. It's a lot less that would make us feel satisfied and happy. Yeah. And I, and I, I just think that that's, we, the kinder we can be to ourselves. Um, Cause otherwise it's, it's a colossal waste of time, right? Yes, when we yes. start circling that bowl over and over, it's like, you're, you're wasting some juicy years. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my I mean, gosh. Like, people, you know, women, it's like, no, you're beautiful. You, you're not even seeing it. Yes. yes. You know? All the years when you're young are wasted, just complaining and mm -hmm. thinking yeah. about the way you look and, and that stuff, that conversation just became exhausting to me where I was like, I don't really care. There's so much more to life. Like I've never wanted to be known for my beauty. I've always wanted to be known for my personality, you know, the way that I, I live rather than the way that I look. And, um, it just gets boring. You know, you're just like, oh, that's all that you care about is how you look. And, and that's all really you're going to focus on. And there's so much more to life. And I would just say too, like, I mean, what we're consuming, whether it's Instagram, 
movies, TV, it's gotten better. I will say it's definitely gotten better as far as like who and what is being represented in those mediums. But I mean, it can really do, do a number on you. If you're thinking about what should my body look like, watching your partner maybe watch a show that has a woman that looks a certain way and thinking like, oh, shoot, I should probably look more like that. How do I do that? Um, Your mind can really start running when you see all of these images. But, you know, more and more, I've been just noticing like the internal conversation I'm having when I do see like bodies and women and faces and hair and this that I love. It's like, just recognizing the beauty in it and not necessarily going to, oh, I wish I had that. Like from the the abundance standpoint of like, I honor and love what I've got going on, mm-hmm. but, and it sounds cheesy, but it's just like, wow, they are so beautiful too. Mm-hmm. And like, I respect anyone who wants to do the any work on themselves, whatever they want to do. But I'm like, you can tell when someone just like feels good, mm-hmm. you know, it really radiates. And so I, I, I want to take... And I am trying to take more notice of that energy that they emit when they really do like feel good in their bodies. And that's really what I want to take away. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, it's, it's the lifelong lesson of, of any female. And I think we're actually, we've now dumped that onto men as well. <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. Like we so sent true. McDonald's to France and now we're giving, we're messing guys up who barely noticed and we're like, what? And now it's like, you know, they've got the weird pressure too. I, uh, so true. Yeah. I'm, it's, yeah. I'm curious what, um, what is it that, what techniques do you, have you guys developed when maybe you don't agree uh, within something in business, philosophically, you know, what are some techniques that you've developed to to sort of even respectfully disagree, you know, the notion of agreeing to disagree? How do you guys manage those times in work? Because it all, it seems like, oh, look at two best friends, you know, working mm-hmm. together. It's like, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of dynamics. A lot, you know, there's money, there's our dreams, there's our schedule, there's our next few years, there's a team, there's, you know, our dreams separately. So there's just so much, it's like so layered, you know, mm-hmm. with all of it. So, um, what's really beautiful about our relationship is like, whenever Lindsay and I disagree, it feels the same as if we're agreeing. And that means it feels open. It feels spacious. It feels like there's opportunity there. It feels like, um, you know, we're both being heard. And I think that works, that is happens because Lindsay and I do our own like ego checking, our own ego work. We're always doing self-inquiry to see like, okay, do I believe this? Because I had a situation that hurt me where I'm now trying to protect myself or to um, get back at someone. Like what's my overall intention behind this? And she'll do the same. And so we do a lot of our own ego work before we'll bring an issue to one another. I think that we'll go through our own, own process and just be like, okay, where's this coming from? Does this feel like it was just an emotion at the time? Do I really want to talk about this? And do that. And then we'll also use the phrase like the story I'm telling myself is. And that's just a great way for us to really acknowledge the experience that we both bring into a situation where, um, as an example, I have, um, I, something I work on is trust with women. I had an interesting relationship with my mom and I never really have trusted women, you know, with my heart or with my dreams or, 
you know, with anything. So to do a business with a woman has been something I've really had to work on with trust. And so when I come to Lindsay, it could be like, you know, the story I'm telling myself is that, um, you don't care as much about the business and I'm scared you're going to leave. And that's really like, I'm telling myself in my head, this story that she's X, Y, or Z and that she's feeling this way, but we can make up crazy things in our heads. And all of our stories that we're telling ourselves are really to confirm biases that we have or experiences that we've gone through. So that's a really helpful tool that we'll leverage, you know, whenever we're speaking. Um, but I wouldn't say for anyone that it's for the faint of heart to be in relationship with your best friend. I mean, you, you guys know, like, working together. It's like, it's just a lot of time, attention, energy, and just ego checking that I don't think that everyone is like prepared to do. And Lindsay, you, you don't, you don't strike me as quite as verbal. <laughs> That's big facts. <laughs> That's you big facts. Do you have to get to a point to be like, okay, I need to tell you how I feel or, have you, or does she now read you? Like, how does it work? Yeah, you. you read my diary? Yeah, honestly. Um, yeah, no, that's... I come in hot. That's spot on, but I've definitely been working on it. I think, you know, I have Krista and then I have my boyfriend, both of whom are so powerful in ways that I aspire to be, um, and communication is one of them. And it's interesting because I feel like throughout my life, I've communicated through performance, through artistic expression. So I'm really comfortable doing that, but when it comes to just like, being, being, I guess, being really honest with how I'm feeling, I've had to notice when I'm being performative. And what I mean by that is that I am thinking about how Krista's going to take what I say. I'm thinking about how Sean is going to react to my true feelings rather than just expressing them and trusting that our relationship, this person will hold the truth of that and actually love me more, and it will create an opportunity for us to have a deeper connection. And I think both Krista and John are just like, you know, the two people in my life I see and talk to the most have really um, shown me that like, one, they're not going to run away when I'm myself and I express how I feel. And two, like it actually just really enhanced our relationship. I'm still working on it. And also I want to like love on myself for like, I'm not going to communicate the way she communicates all the time. I'm not going to communicate the way Sean communicates. I might need time and space and I might not be able to speak my truth right in the moment. That's what I aspire to do. But sometimes I'm just, sometimes I need to be by myself and just kind of reconnect to my own energy. I, I think just empathically, I'm kind of picking up on other people's energy and then I get confused. Mm-hmm. So it's like that balance of, of really working on it and also just honoring like who I am. Um, but yeah, I also like to your point of like me not being as, as like chatty, it's I tend to take the temperature of a room mm-hmm. where like if I go into a party and there's someone who's really uh, expressive and loud and chatty, I tend to balance and I will not try to meet them there. I tend to balance it out. But if there needs to be a little more life injected into the room, like I can kind of bring that up. So it's just, it's just interesting to observe (laughs) myself. Um, I mean, it must be also a little bit hard on you. I think what's also important 
um, for anyone is that, <clears throat> first of all, thinking about how we feel and being able to articulate is important. Everybody has this different gearing and, and your show, you know, in almost 30, it feels like over and over, it's getting people to re-identify with who they are and do that their best. So I think it lines up actually beautifully that you do it differently. The only thing we never want to do for our loved ones though, is she wants to make sure not to do damage or wouldn't want to tread over ground, you know, sort of ground that you wouldn't want to. Cause I, I'm probably in some, I work with someone who's a very dear friend of mine, not Laird uh, and believe me, Laird, I'm not treading on Laird anywhere, but um, <laughs> is, is I have a friend, Jen, who um, I work with, I played with, I knew I've been my dear friend. The one thing you just never want to do is that you hope that they speak up before we do anything that's really See, comes across as hurtful or mistreading because when you care so deeply about somebody, that's actually the last thing you want to do. Right. So I think that that's the only part that we want to take care of in any relationship, romantic or friendship or what have you is like, Hey, can you make sure your boundaries are strong enough so that, you know, I want to be in check, but that, you know, you're always making sure because the last thing anyone would want to do is hurt this person that they love with and work with and, and what happens. Of course. I think that, and it's, it's even if it's like, Hey, can, I think something's going on. Can you just give yes. me, we'll talk about it tomorrow or what have you. Mm-hmm. I yes. think that that's important. What, where do you guys think you'd be without each other? In a ditch. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, who knows? I would have lost my mind. I was, you know, working at another job. I got another job after I tried to blog full time and, um, yeah, I honestly don't know. You know, it's one of those things I think, you know, like when you meet Laird or when you meet your partner, you're like, I don't know what the heck I'd be doing if I didn't meet this person or if I didn't have this like really kismet experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel so, although it's hard, I feel deeply satisfied with what we do and with our relationship and um, the opportunities that we have to just grow within the business and with each other. It's like, yeah, it's it's a dream. Yeah. And I think... Yeah. This last year, especially, I just feel like, you know, we looked at each other many times and we're just like, what will we do without each other? (laughs) You know, it's, it's, um, it's really, it's really powerful. Um, and I think because like we've taken time to work on our relationship and work on ourselves individually, um, and have seen each other as like a whole person. I think when you're in business, it's easy to be like, man, you know, that person is this or that they do it this way. Or, you know, you kind of, it is so surface level, but when you, when you really experience someone as a whole person, get to know where they've been, what they've experienced, what they're working with. It's like, I'm able to just be really more present instead of in my head. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, where we would be. Um, but I've heard, I've seen you talk a little bit about that differently, even in romantic relationships. And I think that point is really important all the way around. I think when we have a romantic relationship, a working relationship, when you have a child, it's almost like, how do we have the ability to take the person as they are today? Because we have these preconceived ideas. And like I said, I've heard you, I saw you talking about this, which is, you're learning and Krista's learning who she is as a business person is actually quite different than when you met her four years ago. And it's so interesting when we're intimate with people to allow the bolt on 
you know, knowledge and expression to come on or, you know how you do that? It's like, well, no, I used to do that. I don't actually do that weird habit anymore. I've, I've brought it to my attention and I've worked on not doing it or like, well, how do you know how to do that? Well, actually I've been working on this for you. And, you know, and I have to do that with my kids mm-hmm. where you're just like, Oh, you're not who you were. Even my 13 year old's like, listen, I'm such a different person. I mean, that was five months ago. And I'm, and I'm just like, <laughs> I had to think about that. And I have to be right. That's right. And so I think that that's a really important point that I saw you bring up. And, and, but that is probably something that also enables the two of you to keep expanding. I mean, you have retreats and you have tours and you have products. Um, The amount of, you know, trust and growth and ability to sort of say, okay, well, we've never done that, but you think it's a good idea and you seem pretty organized on it. Let, you know, let's, let's do that. Now, Randomly, because I think it's important in the story, um, because you are in your beautiful office and you, ha- you know, have all this going on. Um, Krista, maybe you can talk about if you can, and if you can't, then we won't. Um, what happened with your with your show name? Can you explain oh. to me? Hi. <laughs> or can, if you can't, with it was your show name hijacked or? Oh yeah! Oh my that's god! Oh my maybe, post. Yes. Yeah, okay. I didn't want to, I won't say, you know. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Yeah, uh, that's oh, I don't fine. know what all went down. I just thought it was like, you're, let, building, let sip tea. you're building a, a brand. <laughs> yes. You're investing all of your time and energy into yes. a name, a title, a concept. And then what happens? Like one day, what? Yeah. So we've had this happen many times, actually, where we've had um, people use the name Almost 30. They'll create a, a brand like Almost 30 Magazine was one. They were doing something very similar, Almost 30 and Kind of Dirty, Two Guys Almost 30. There's probably 10 to 15 podcasts that use the the phrase Almost 30. And we've had to do, um, we've had to take legal action for probably two of them just because they're sort of using our name and likeness, which has been trademarked. Right, they so use your likeness? Yeah, it's like if you're using our name Almost 30 and you're sort of doing the same thing we're doing, it's like using okay. the expression. Okay. But we had what you're talking about. So I shared the other day on my Instagram, just a post that I hoped level set with my community that although everything looks really great, I've actually been really going through it the past couple months and we've had really hard personal things and we've had really hard things with the business. And one of them was this experience where we were just about to have a team dinner with six people on our team were here. And then we had new interns that we were going to meet. There was probably seven or eight people at the office. And we're just about to walk out to see everyone. And, you know, we have to be a positive face. We have to be like all this stuff. Our One of our girls from our team who's in Canada messaged and goes, hey, did you guys see this? And we're like, what? And she sends this screenshot of this podcast that had been posted and created called Almost 30. And it took our exact description and had like all these shows. It was probably 15 shows. What was really horrifying is that when we went to listen to these episodes, it was actually clips of Lindsay and I talking on episodes in really vulnerable moments. So it was times when I was talking about my mom or talking about my body or talking about anxiety or mental health, or Lindsay was talking about things she was going through. And they had taken just these snippets of really deep, intimate moments and posted them on this show. 
And so we were in this thing where like, is this someone that's doing this purposely? Is this someone that's mocking us? Is this someone that's trying to attack us? You know, there's all these questions that go through your head. And then we have to go see our team and be like, hey, everyone, we're so glad to have you. And and I'm feeling completely scared and gutted and just confused. And Lindsay is too. And it was just one of those moments where I'm like, damn, I sometimes want to check out as entrepreneur. I sometimes want to check out as a face of a business. Sometimes I want to clock out of like being a public figure and dealing with these type of things. Um, so we eventually had to contact Apple and, and get it taken down. And because it was our exact content, they were able to take it down. But you know, you never know if that's going to happen every day or if it's going to show up in other ways. But there's just a lot of opportunities that we've had where people will either try and steal our creative IP or content or just try and, you know, like take us down in some ways. Yeah. And wouldn't you say that for everyone in whatever genre of entrepreneurship, that that's probably kind of the way it is? Yes. Yeah, I think for sure. It's so sad. I'm, it's so, yes, I agree. And it's actually a paradigm that I'm trying to work on shifting. The paradigm and belief that because I'm a public figure that the more people I reach, the more people will dislike me or the more hate I will get that like, you know, the belief of new level, new devil. So mm-hmm. they talk about as you kind of reach these new levels, you have these, the stakes get higher and actually the repercussions of those stakes get higher. So legal agreements become bigger. You know, there might be bigger issues with people trying to attack you. And I'm trying to really work on that belief in my head because I just don't think that's fair. And I don't think that people should be subject to, certain things because they're in the public eye, because there's kind of this assumption that if you have a lot of fans or followers, and if you have a lot of perceived money that you deserve it, that you deserve people to take you down or talk, talk bad about you or do all these things. And that really places us in this structure where we have this value system based on fame and money, which isn't true. Everyone knows that if someone's famous or has money, they're not happy. So I really work on that belief, but I totally know what you mean. And right now we, we live it. Mm -hmm. I think you have to pull out of the system altogether, though. See, yeah, yeah. We I'm coming you. to Hawaii. I know we need this. <laughs> oh no, I don't mean that. I don't even mean this <laughs> per se. Um, uh, this is so I can stay married. But um, <laughs> no. Um, what I mean by that is, you, it's interesting with social media. See, when when again, my generation, when you were coming up, there were plenty of people who were like, "I want to be a famous performer, and I'm going to do this." Right? For someone like me, it was like, "Okay, I'm going to hit a white ball," and then somehow I got into college doing that, and then somehow it went on to something else, and you fall into things, right? And you get these baby steps, and you're trained all along the way. You have coaches yell at you. You get doses of criticism. Now, what you have is like um, also people who are. Th- you know, sort of thrown into this public arena, how big or small is it? It doesn't matter. The criticisms feel the same is, is to mentally and emotionally go, okay, this is my job. It's I'm creating content. We're doing uh, retreats. We're, we're now we're doing organic extensions, you know, of our brand and products that we believe in. And it's never different than that. Like that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes, you want to be buttoned up and yes, you want to be protected and you need to be strategic and smart. And that's very important. But I think it still becomes where you're not that when you talk about that paradigm, you have to pull out of that because it's an illusion that um, 
you know, I could pull you out of this. And if, if, if it was like beer drinking sports fans, they don't care about almost 30. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's when we always have that perspective of it's like, no, because I'm in this story. But what if I just say, hey, I'm a person who wants to show up every day and create something that feels really good to me. And I have this partner and the two of you are doing it together. And that's what it is. Right. Where it lands and who takes it in or who loves it or who doesn't. That's actually not what you're doing. Because yeah, I think we what? have to we have to redefine that success for us, you know, and it keeps evolving where because, you know, when you're up and coming in anything, you know, entrepreneur wise, there's a lot of talk of numbers and where are you at on the charts mm-hmm. and the downloads and this and that. And I think those moments where we had, you know, either, you know, our likeness stolen or, you know, felt like there was um criticism around what we were doing, it was like hurtful because you know, to your point, like we, we really always held the intention really close. Like we're like, this is our intention here. Yes, of course, we're looking at the numbers every once in a while and we're trying to be strategic in business, but like, yeah, that's, that's, you're so right, you know, to pull ourselves kind of out of that game and really gain perspective. You, we've been doing that more, more often, but yeah, I think because there's so much heart in what we do, it does just, I have days where I'm like, wow, I just would never do that to someone or I don't understand. It's like human to human. I don't understand. But then, you know, pull out a little more and you can see that it's really not about you. Yeah. I think with that too, what, what we try and do, what I've, what I try and do is like for as much as the positive feedback is, I mean, we get the nicest, kindest messages that are, are honestly a dream for anyone to receive. And so while I take those to heart and I find them to be incredibly moving, I take them I don't really mind. I don't pay them as much mind as maybe someone else would, because if I'm not taking the criticism, then I can't take the positive super seriously. So both of those are just really perceptions or projections of what they're feeling or something they experienced. And I was maybe able to like instill that in them or inspire that in them, but it has nothing to do with me. So I try and not take any sort of feedback actually too much to heart because I can't just take one without the other. Right. It's, you know, this is, I think we've talked about this, like, we're just all portals for something. And Mm -hmm. if if we get the opportunity to be a portal for something, um, it's not us, right? I even think like incredible artists, singers, painters, whatever, they're really receiving a signal and they're just the portal for it. They're the instrument. And, and the minute, and that's great because then we don't take ourselves so serious, um, on either side. Yes. If you, um, if you thought, okay, right now in your, well, actually, before I go here, I, I was curious, you know how you ever have this? Cause I've had this with Laird, like there'll be times where his career is crushing it and we've had new children and maybe I'm highly domestic and feeling forgotten or, you know, we've had those ebbs and flows over 25 years. Do you guys have an ability, let's say maybe one of you, your personal life is kicking ass and all of a sudden you're sort of in the shape you want to be in and the other one's maybe going through a hard time, a challenging time. How do you guys, um, you know, make space for those as much as you're together, you're having individual experiences. Is there, do you have secrets or tricks? Um, Because sometimes when someone's really close to us, they're almost like a a heavier reflection of like an amplification of what's not happening in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. 
we'll just cut each other down passive aggressively. Usually, <laughs> we'll just try and be as passive aggressive as possible and just you, you know make things happen. Too? So uh, yeah, honestly, I'd be like, <laughs> honestly, you're gonna fast every day. <laughs> <laughs> good, that's good for you. Um, yeah, I think. There is that. And, you know, I think because it's just us and, you know, you've been in experiences where you've been with women and you felt like there was a competitiveness or there was this desire for, for you to not succeed as much as you wanted because they wanted what you have or they wanted this experience. And I think we're able to mitigate that by being truthful about everything together. So it's like where, um, what's working for me right now? Um, where my, I have my wedding this year, you know, we're looking forward to that where that's working. I also have things in my life that aren't working so that you can always see the truth of everything where you're not just like, Hey, Lindsay, like I look amazing. My wedding's going to be awesome. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you also know that I'm also going through this. So it's like, there never feels like this thing where everything is perfect and everything is like being shown in this beautiful light. It's always like the truth is known where we go through hard things as well. Yeah. And I think we do a good job of like reminding the other to celebrate what's going really well in their personal life. Like, like I'm so excited for her wedding and like just that, that period and that like celebration. And I think that you know, she's excited too, but she's the one in it. So like, even just to be that friend, that's like, you should take time off. You should celebrate. This is like incredible. Feels good to me as a friend too. And I think that just comes with age and time, maybe like where you see something that lights the other up or, you know, something on that positive spectrum. And it's like, oh, I want to like actually remind them to be in that Mm -hmm. and not rush through it or, not, um, share that with people, you know, because I, I have a tendency to be like, no, it's, it's not a big deal. Like it's fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal, but it always feels good if Krista's like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Like, tell me more about that. So I think we do a really good job of just supporting each other in, in, in those really positive seasons of our life or something that's really working, but then also supporting when like we're feeling just really low and really lost. Yeah. And I think like you said about the portal. So if we see everyone as the portal of like this information or experience that we can tap into, you know, I've had experiences where I have, and we have amazingly successful, beautiful, awesome friends that are just crushing it in life. And to say that I've never had a moment where I've been like a little bit jealous of what they have is a lie. And, but I always use that as an example to really look inward and be like, oh my God, they have something that like I could access within myself because I've recognized it in them. I'm looking forward to finding out how to do that. Mm -hmm. So whether they're really speaking their truth online and they're saying really powerful things that I feel like I could also express, but I'm not letting myself. It's like, what is that experience of me being a little jealous of them telling me about me? Maybe I'm not expressing myself. Maybe I'm not like being as righteous as I feel like they are. And I think that's just the work of life. It's like, what is this experience of me being triggered, of me feeling less than, of me feeling like I'm not X, Y, and Z telling me about me? Yeah. I think it's important because it's a garden that needs, you got to pull the weeds every day. You know, it's like, yes. you just, it's just the way that it is, you know? And, and I think that that's an important is when you give permission to people just to say, everything we feel is okay. You know, and the more we can look at it, it, it demystifies it and it, it makes it, you know, sort of less impactful. I, so now that you, you've been doing this for four years and you've interviewed a ton of people, you've asked a lot of questions, you've, you've sort of really dug into things. Do you feel 
I'm just interested in this next chapter. Um, what what's your plan to transition the message? Because your brand is you, right? So you know, thirty ish, and you know, it, you're just in a different phase of life. Are how are you going to? Or what is the idea on how to expand the brand's message as you expand and, and walk through your lives? Yeah, I feel like we're going through that right now where Lindsay yeah. and I are um, almost going to do like a reintroduction episode in March, which is basically going to talk about like our new standards and our new sort of guidelines to way, to the ways that we operate. And this means that there's just more self-sovereignty. We just have more discernment that um, we are in community with people, but we are not governed by our community, that we are the governance of whatever we create and do. And just be really, really clear about how we want to show up and how our community is going to show up with us. I think because we've grown up with so many of them, we've been doing this for four years. I mean, us at the beginning, we were totally different people. You know, we had different belief systems. We had different values. We showed up differently. And we've really done the work and listened to the interviews that we've that we've done and changed a lot. So we do this by reintroducing ourselves to our community, reestablishing our values with them. And then we also just make sure to be really honest about the entire process and why we're doing it. Um, whether it's an experience or a situation, but I think almost 30 is more about like being a, like not being alone through hard transitions in your life. And we always really go through those. So hoping to find people that we can support through that process. And just really empowering people through hopefully our example to trust themselves. You know, I think we live in an age where we're going to the podcast, we're going to the social media, we're going to, you know, forums on the internet to learn what we should believe or how we should feel. And, you know, I really appreciate that our audience feels so close to us and I hope that they always do. And I also don't want them to live by everything we share because what we share is perspective from different people, from different experiences and walks of life. And what I love about what we do is like in every interview that we have, Krista and I can walk away and be like, that really stuck. I didn't really agree with that. Or I, you know, I wanted to put that into practice or probably won't ever. And that discernment is so important, both on air, off air, in one-on-one interactions, when we're on social media. And I just want to really model that and, and get that across to our audience because they are so incredibly powerful. And I want to remind them of that in everything that we do. Top of mind, if we could direct the listeners to a show individually um, recently or in the past that really, um, you, you know, someone said, hey, I, I haven't listened to uh, the, the Almost 30 podcast yet, or I have, but I haven't, you know, caught a ton of the shows. If you individually had a show that maybe uh, felt like you'd invite somebody that felt really reflective of what you were doing, um, mm. What show would that be? Well, Gabby Reese did this amazing podcast with us. <laughs> it was incredible. Now, Let me tell you about this episode. You teeped it up, baby. So they, I'm sure your audience is like, oh, what? No. Don't blush. She's blushing. No, it was honestly, <laughs> yeah, me that. and Lindsay were like, 
Yeah, that was, it was amazing. I mean, you're just awesome. So if you guys like Abby, you guys will love, love that one. I think one for me is uh, mm-hmm. Ratty Devlukia. So she's married, she's Jay Shetty's wife. And what I loved about the conversation is it felt like it was as much actionable as it was like emotional and connected and supportive. Uh, we talked about imposter syndrome. We talked about confidence. We talked about her journey. We talked about um, showing up online. And it just felt like a really great representation of sort of like the, the essence of what we do. Yeah. Um, I pulled different episodes for different seasons to kind of go back to, um, personally, but I know it's hard to pick, but, um, I've been thinking a lot about our friend jazz, who is the moon dot mother on Instagram. She's a human design expert, but in this conversation that we had with her, um, one thing that I just is so simple but has stuck with me just this idea of seeing God in every single person that we meet, seeing God in ourselves. And both Krista and I have a Roman Catholic background that kind of, um, you know, just scared us a bit and like (laughs) made us run the other way from quote unquote religion. And so um, it was really powerful to speak to her about just like the divine and how, um, and speak to it outside of the context of religion or church or dogma or doctrines. And it was really, really freeing. We've had many a conversation since then about that. And I just find it to be so incredibly beautiful and refreshing. So um, that's one I would definitely recommend. She also speaks to purpose and abundance and um, Mm -hmm. especially through the lens of human design, which is something that we love to talk about on the show. So yeah, that's, that's mine for today. I had this thought that you guys can just recruit new teams as you move to almost 40 and then you get a new group, yes. and you almost 20, almost teens, and you just keep rolling. They thought that people have pitched that they're yeah. like, you should start a network and it's like oh, almost it just at the almost. age every time. Yes. <laughs> Good. Should we, but then we had our coach tell us, he's like, you guys are going to be almost forever. That's it. Almost maybe energy. Yeah. He's like, maybe there's a subconscious thing that's happening where you guys are almost <laughs> always. <laughs> And I was like, damn, true. But maybe that's the secret. We're almost and we are at the same time all yes. the time. And yes. that's the thing is, is, you know, I have a friend, I don't know if I talked to you guys about this, where she, you know, she's my age, maybe like two years older. And, you know, oh, I went to therapy today and da, 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 And I've been friends with her for a long time. And I was like, awesome. When are you going to put that in play? And yeah. <laughs> I love offended. And I was like, she's like, what do you mean? I go, okay, 20s, let's contemplate this, 30s, let's start to go like, <clears throat> here's my voice, here's my voice, 40s, it's like, okay, I'm moving toward it. I'm like, we're 50. <laughs> when are we putting this in play already? Like, <laughs> but this is the thing. It's like certain things, it's like, to your point about discernment, Lindsay, certain things they have to feel really true to us. And then we have to make space then for all the new confusion that we're going to try to navigate. Because the other side is there's things I'm so less sure about after going through having children and having a family that when I started, Mm -hmm. so it's like, I'm almost in certain things, but I better be clear. Like, it's like, okay, you can talk about that for 25 years. Like, but then it's someone's story and like breaking people from those stories. Like, 
is just the thing and trying to find mm-hmm. the ways in which we operate in stories. And I think when you become conscious, you hear your own stories and you're like, oh, that is so boring. Like mm-hmm. those beliefs <laughs> and those systems and those things that I do. But for someone to have a friend like you that, that reflects that back to them is powerful yeah. because so many of us do the work, we go to therapy, we do the things, blah, 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 blah. blah. We spend our whole life on this like treadmill of self-development. And when do we actually apply it? You know, when do we actually take the time to like integrate and apply it? And not everyone always does. No, and it's scary. Yes, of course. It's all scary. Because then you change and then the people in your life see that change, they get freaked out. And then you're like, oh, let me just be who I've always been because it makes you comfortable. And yeah, it's a cycle. Okay, so uh, Lindsay Simsick and Krista Williams, is it Thursdays? Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Who the hell has time to do two? I don't know. <laughs> I know, honestly. <laughs> Your room better be comfortable. Yeah, Two's a lot. Two's and a lot, our, yeah. And uh, tell me, so Almost 30 is a podcast, and then tell me about the website if people want to get the tutorials and if they want to see about any, hopefully soon, retreats and things like that. Yes. Yeah, we had our retreat in Calamigos. I'm sure you know Calamigos and Malibu. Yes. Um, we had to cancel that one this year, but um, almost30.com and we have courses and programs to help people in their evolution. So if you want to learn about um, reducing anxiety or human design or any of the topics that we talk about, you can take a course. And then um, we also help people with podcasts if they want to launch their podcast, if they want to grow their podcast, or if they want to monetize. We created um, three digital programs for folks that you know should be really helpful and was all the information that Lindsay and I wish we would have had four years ago. Yeah. One last from each of you, right at this moment, like what is, what's your top of mind dream? To to be able to tell people, when are you applying that? Honestly, (laughs) to have the freedom in life to just ask someone straight the frick up, when are you (laughs) applying that is, is my dream (laughs) to be that honest. Um, that is actually part of my dream. I think my biggest dream is just to, to have no, um, no resistance to what I want to say when I want to say it, to just have those moments of like true authentic, voice and connection and and speaking my truth, I think is my dream to feel liberated enough to say what I feel when I feel it. Yeah. Similarly, it's just for me, when I feel most alive and most myself is when I'm able to freely communicate in the moment with people expressing how I feel, reflecting back to them, what I heard them say, or how I perceive them to be feeling, how we can connect on that and how we can go deeper on that. Um, is, is really important to me. Um, and then just on like a a surface level, like I just am really excited to continue to like expand my idea of my life. Mm -hmm. I think that I can get really, um, not pigeonholed, but I, I, I tend to put a ceiling on what I think is possible for me. And, I often think like, well, I can't do this because I'm doing this, or I can't do this because that would conflict with this. And I don't open up the possibility that like, oh, wow, like I could, I could have a family and also have a career, or I could um, live in this place, but then also travel to other places and be fulfilled for all the other places that I love. You know, it's just like expanding, constantly expanding what I believe to be possible for my life and um, being really open and like confident in that. Well, I really admire how hard 
you two are working not only in your professional lives, but on yourselves. And I think when you have that formula, then um, it's limitless as long as we, because, you know, none of us deserve anything, but if you are willing to work hard and you're receiving that grace, Mm -hmm. that is maybe an expansive personal and professional life, then I think, you know, you're a great example of just saying thank you and and letting that happen. So congratulations. And I I can't wait to see what you guys are going to be doing in the future. Mm. Can't wait to come to that Maui house. It's our next next stop. Okay. Can we see it? Yes. (laughs) Gabby, thank you. We love you you so much. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. Like all of you, most of the things I have in a daily ritual, my supplements, I've learned from a trusted source or a friend. And that's why I'm excited to share with you something that I've been taking for about three and a half years, true niogen. Um, You know, people always say, oh, aging isn't fun. You get wrinkles and back aches and they feel like their stamina decreases. And And yeah, I think that, of course, that's all true, but you can't do anything about that. You're not going to turn time back, but you can take a daily supplement that will support healthy aging. And that is what True Niagen does. I, for a long time, was really interested in NAD levels because NAD is an essential coenzyme and it's required for cellular energy and repair. And True Niagen elevates our NAD levels. And it's, it's natural, you know, our NAD levels will decline as much as 50% as we get older. And so our bodies have a harder time coping with the cellular damage resulting just from, you know, life stressors, like maybe a lack of sleep, or you're not exercising as much as you should, or your diet's not great. And True Niagen is really the only NAD boosting supplement that I trust. And it's backed by 11 clinical studies and Nobel prize winning scientists. And, it, you know, it's never about fighting age, but how about if we feel as vital and, you know, as energized as we can. And you can do that with True Niagen. So right now they have a great offer for new customers. You can save $20 on a three-month supply by going to trueniagen.com and just go ahead and enter the promo code Gabby at checkout, G-A-B-B-Y. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com. And these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.